Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Well, welcome everyone. And as we started, a piece of phlegm just tried to destroy my life, but we press no. on. <laughs> We're here. It's Black History Month. It's a Ooh. good time. We're still in it, and we get an extra day, guys, because it's leap year. Oh, that's so, true. Fun times. An extra day to be blackity black. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 just that type of year. It's just that type of year. Well, it's a especially great time to be blackity black because we are talking about the 1998 superhero film Blade. What is this garlic? Yeah, well, he said it would work against vampires. Vampires? <laughs> Who said I was a vampire, huh? Nobody. He's a familiar. A vampire wannabe. If he's loyal enough, and he proves himself maybe his master will turn him. Wait a minute. You use me as bait? Get over it. Is all that necessary? Woo! Shing shing! Wow, we're so good at fighting. <laughs> Somebody hire us for voiceover work. Let's do it. <laughs> or a foley, foley, we're foley artists. Yeah. We're fo- mm-hmm. With our mouths. We are foley artists. Yeah, I didn't even have my all my props here. <laughs> right. Yeah. How are we going to do a 1940s radio hour? <laughs> Actually, that would be really cool to do. Brian, make that so, please. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> and she opens the door. <laughs> I like it. Amazing. <clears throat> I'm down. Well, Blade, uh, this was directed by a one uh, Stephen Norrington, and it was written by uh, David S. Goyer, and it's based on the Marvel comic of the same name, if you didn't know. And it stars a one Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, hey, and Inbouche Wright. Cool. Now, heavy spoilers for everything that is Blade and vampires. And Jamie, please give us all those trigger warnings. I mean, with a movie titled Blade, there's bound to be some insights on the outside. Um, yeah. And there are. <laughs> so many blades. Yeah, blades. So many blades. So um, little time. <laughs> so little time. Uh, this movie's about vampires. So if you don't like vampires, then this might not be the one for you. Um, so there is a lot of blood, sucking of blood, uh, vampire fangs, uh <laughs> Rave, blood rave? Blood rave! I will say, I'd rather be at a blood raid than an acid rave. 
from I thought the same oh. thing. Yeah, didn't you? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. The fall of the House of Usher uh acid rave definitely oh. went through my mind in that opening sequence. Also, Man. that opening sequence should be considered like in the list of great opening sequences in horror Agreed. movies. We'll Ugh. talk about if this is a horror movie or not, but like that mm-hmm. opening sequence was awesome. Man, mm-hmm. I will never I forgot everything about Blade except for the opening. (laughs) Oh, I knew that there. Well, I knew I just remember. I will never forget the rave because I just remember Mm. you see Blade guns a blazing. And anyway, we'll talk about it. But yes, fantastic. If we're talking about the rave for one second to quote Jamie, is this did these kind of raves happen in the 90s? Like like (laughs) like this feels like a strictly early 2000s, 90s, like trope where there's a rave in like a warehouse or the back of a slaughterhouse or or something like that. Yeah. So the sad matrix world or in the sad matrix world. Well, that was an orgy rave. <laughs> rave, nonetheless. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, but we were rave. still on spoilers <laughs> or trigger warnings, rather. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, there is also. Um, I was like, what? What else is there? Um, I mean, there is reference to suicide. Yes, um, there is uh, like a, a pregnancy and like a traumatic birth experience. Um, feels very, feels very like now COVID. Not, not early two thousands, late nineteen mm. nineties. Just with like a traumatic birth in a horror movie kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, we but, love our uh, traumatic births. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, apparently in the in the 2020s, it's like all traumatic births all the time. I feel like you yeah. can't watch a horror movie nowadays without some sort of traumatic birth sequence. I feel yeah. like it's been or ins- even not horror. It's just That's in true. like pop culture things, like like um, it was also in a uh, uh, the the Game of Thrones. Like the yeah, House Game of the of Dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. that one I was going to say House of intense. the Fall of Usher, and I was like, no, that's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> House of the Rise of the Dragons of yeah. Usher. Yes. <laughs> Usher, Usher. Still got that Super Bowl performance stuck in my head. <laughs> so classic. I love it. Uh, yeah. Did I miss anything? Blood. There's like drug reference, but it's yeah, beating. I think a made up drug, but still. lighting yourself on fire. Yeah. Um. I mean, talk of like pure bloods and not pure bloods. That's true. I feel like it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think weird uh, relationships with just, like, mothers. Gross. Oh yeah, yeah, like Oedipus, <sighs> like like Hamlet and weird. Gertrude type situations here. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I read that when Wesley Snipes was cast, he wanted more of like a Shakespearean feel to some of it, with like this like over the top emotion, which mm-hmm. may have led to that because that felt very Hamlet and Gertrude, like in Act yeah. Five. Act, mm. I forget what that scene is. Act Four, Act Five of Hamlet, when like there's that really intense scene with them. Sometimes it's played sexually, sometimes it's not, but that definitely had those vibes in Act Three of this movie. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, 
if there's no other trigger warnings, because there's literally skeletons coming out of people's bodies, uh, <laughs> producer Brian, <laughs> do you have some words for us before we yeah. start? Hi, everybody. Producer Brian here. Thank you so much for joining us to when we talk about Blade and for Black History Month. If you missed it, I'll, we also have episodes um, on uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original 1968, uh, with the first true uh, black lead of a horror film. Uh, and then we're going to re-air our The Blackening episode from last year, a movie that we all really loved. And it mm-hmm. ranked very highly in our 2023 uh, list. So I'm going to re-air that one for Black History Month. Um, there's so we have a Candyman episode. We did all of the Jordan Peele movies. Um, we have a slew of horror movies that feature both black creators as well as black actors and actresses. Um, so definitely check out our, you know, uh, list of horror movies that we've done in the past, um, and find one of those, um, because, uh, we, we love them and black horror is completely, uh, underrated, overlooked, use whatever adjective you want. And then Nikisha continually suggests watching Horror Noir, um, a history yes. of black horror. You should absolutely check that out as well. Um, but in the meantime, if you want some uh, fantastic um, content outside of this podcast, check us out on all social media at Talk Horror Pod. Um, that is at Talk Horror Pod. We are on things like TikTok. We're we're getting close to 20k. We're at like 16.5 or something like that. So join us there. Ooh. We're doing some really spooky, fun stuff there. Um, you can also find us on Twitter as well as Instagram, uh, where we have original content on those places. Um, So wherever you are on social media, you can find us for sure. Um, But before – oh, and hi, YouTube. We're on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hey. um, (laughs) Now, before we get into like our likes and gripes and the plot and all of Blade, I do want to talk about some fun facts about Blade um, because even though this is a black superhero, this is a – you know, know, obviously like it's centered around a black character – it's more than that. We didn't choose it just because it's it's Blade. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this movie was the first, for 1998, was the first successful, financially successful Marvel movie. Um, huh. X-Men yes. didn't come out. X-Men is considered like the start of all of this um, in terms of like in, 20, in 2000. Um, but Blade in 1998 made... Um, uh, had a 45-ish million dollar budget and made $131.2 million. There are wow. two sequels, one of which is awesome, directed by Guillermo del Toro. The other one is um, could potentially be better, Blade Trinity. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a very yeah. nice way of saying it's bad. Yeah. Um, so David S. <laughs> Goyer wrote this. David S. Goyer, um, you may know him uh, from writing all of the um, – uh, uh, he wrote. He's written. He's written so many uh, superhero movies. He wrote Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, he wrote um, uh, uh, all three Blade movies. Uh, he he Man of Steel. He wrote Man of Steel. He wrote mm. uh, the Ghost Rider uh, movies, uh, or mm. at least the Spirit of Vengeance, uh, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice. Um, he wrote the new. Um, uh, he was a producer on the new Hellraiser movie. I didn't actually see that, but you know. Anyway, he he's uh, does a, Batman Begins, all that stuff. <clears throat> but what's interesting is that 
this movie actually changed who Blade is in the comic books. In the mm. comic books, Blade in the 70s was created as like a secondary character. Um, he was just immune to the vampire stuff. And then in a comic book, he was bit by Morbius, our good guy Morbius. and turned, Who in a deleted scene of this movie, in an alternate <laughs> ending, was um, – was was in this movie um um however the point that i'm making is that in this the studio wanted to make this like a parody a tongue-in-cheek movie and goyer Hmm. fought for this movie to be grounded and realistic um and the the vampirism is more of like a blood disease than anything else um they all the studio also wanted to make um blade white he fought against that uh and blade stayed the color that he's supposed to be um Blade is also usually, I think in the original comics was like an older gentleman, whereas in this, I, I'm not familiar with the Blade comic books. I didn't really read Blade growing up, um, but they made him younger, cooler in this. Um, and then the comic books cool. act cool, boy, boy, crazy boy. <laughs> that's every time I think of like someone being cool, that is that is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, and then, um, Deacon was changed for this as well, or rather Frost was changed for this as well. But the point I'm trying to make is that this movie is super influential in comic books, but it does not get the credit that it potentially deserves in box office and what it did for Blade in the comic books, because Blade changed in the comic books for this. And then next year, as of right now, next year, we're getting the remake of Blade starring Mahershala Ali for the MCU. Um, super excited about that. Blade was featured at the end of Eternals in voiceover only. Um, I guess, spoiler mm. alert if you care. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm excited for the new Blade. Uh, and But I just wanted to point out, like, this is super important, both as a comic book movie, both, both as a black comic book movie for Marvel mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Also, <laughs> Marvel only made, like, 25K from this movie for the rights. Like, I don't think they actually got any of the box office. Right. Um, well, this was Which, like back when it was all still like they just sold off all the rights. Yes. Like they siphoned it to all these different studios. Mm. Yeah. And it's so funny. I'm glad you mentioned that, Brian, because that was something that I was going to bring up mm. uh, in, in our likes and gripes. But I did want to just piggyback off of that and read part of this article. Yeah. Um, that's mm. called An Unsung Hero How Blade Helped Save the Comic Book Movie. And hey. it just says, um, Blade was released in August uh, 21st of 1998, and no one expected it to be a hit. It happened to open a week after one of the most hailed films of all time. The movie came out the second weekend of Saving Private Ryan, and it opened at number one, and it knocked Private Ryan off the uh, number one spot. And everybody was like, what? Are you kidding? Um, Frankford uh, exclaimed and said, everybody was shocked, like, what is this movie that knocked uh, off Saving Private Ryan? And then uh, it held its second weekend, too, at number one, which was unheard of for an urban movie mm-hmm. um, because usually they just kind of fizzle out. And it gives an example of just like a horror movie does. And other yeah. people in, in this article is just saying that a lot of people were like, oh, this is definitely a horror movie. So not only were people like, oh, That's this is so a black comic movie, comic book yeah. movie, but it's also people are considering it a horror movie. So to have sure. comic book and horror knock off like mm-hmm. a really top tier <clears throat> movie that, you know, is in the canon of one of the top, you know, best movies is, is really great. So mm-hmm. thanks for bringing that yeah. up, Brian. But I want yeah, to yeah. add to that. No, that's great. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, we need a plot summary of this movie. So, producer Brian <laughs> All right. has Woo-hoo. two minutes on the clock. What's the plot? 
two to give us everything about Blade on the clock to tell us about the Blade. All right, <clears throat> the Blade. Are uh, you ready? I think so. <laughs> it's it is it was longer than I remembered it being. So especially Act you have three, your work, but we'll talk. Yeah, about you that. have your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready, yeah. steady. Okay, so it opens with a um, black woman who is pregnant, clearly bitten by a vampire. She dies and gives birth to a baby. Um, That baby is Blade. Fast forward to now. um, Blade is a half vampire, half human. Realistically, he's more of a human. um, uh, A damper. Uh, a dampier. Um, basically, he has the powers of a vampire, but he doesn't have the weaknesses of a vampire. And he's hunting vampires. He's basically trying to hunt the number one vampire who's like super mean. Um, and that is um, Deacon Frost, played by Stephen Dorff. Um, Deacon Frost essentially wants to unalive this like vampire entity thing um that would basically make him all powerful he believes against the wishes of the vampire council who makes like back-end deals with politicians um that the that the vampire should be taking over everything and that they're the most powerful um so uh this whole time he's basically like trying to find them and 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 make that all work there's some really wacky stuff in this movie like a giant obese vampire type thing um which i totally forgot about that scene um but he runs into a doctor of course she's a hematologist because like this is the 90s and of course she would be a hematologist she's bitten so she's kind of in between worlds like um blade is he saves her um whisper played by chris christopherson is kind of like his right hand man um who helps him they all have this like trauma with vampires then at the end he finds that his mother is actually still alive um but like brought back by deacon frost who bit her um anyway deacon frost ends up like bringing this thing to life he becomes this entity they fight in a cool fight scene he gets him he kills him that's the end and then blade stills hunting and they're going to try and figure out a cure for blade because he keeps needing the serum to make him not want to uh drink blood um but the woman lets him drink his blood so she can be powerful and, and fight and that's blade and that's the plot oh and, yeah. and wesley snipes is super cool the whole time like, the whole, the whole time. time. He F-bombs <laughs> everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And he, it's so cool. <laughs> Wesley Snipes is so cool in this movie. Like, How cool is he? Man, the, no, there's. I don't think there's a better F-bomb, a smoother F-bomb than every time he says motherfucker in this movie. Like step aside. Not even, uh, um, God. S- Samuel Jackson? Yes. No. Thank you. <laughs> I would I would go to bat and die in the hill that all of Wesley Snipes' motherfuckers in this movie are better than Sam Jackson's. Because I feel wow. like when, Sa- hot take. when Sam that Jackson is. says something like motherfucker, like there's an emphasis on it. This is just a part of Blade's vocabulary, and that's what makes it cool. I see that for sure. Especially when he <laughs> whispers, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> in one of the scenes. Yes. like every line he has where he's like he's like get out of here motherfucker like it's just so cool (laughs) it's very as opposed to samuel l who would be like get out of here motherfucker yeah exactly (laughs) get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking (laughs) plane yeah that is an iconic line it is but everything in this one is just smooth like he's like the walking like he is butter in this movie yes Mm. 
Even his dumb, when he when he appears behind her, or I forget in what scene, and he just like crosses his arms and there's a blade in one hand. Like yes. it's it's so choreographed, but it's wonderful. <laughs> you met my associate, Blade. The, like the edit is just like he just is behind her. <laughs> oh, I love those edits. Oh, sorry, I'm getting to my likes and grabs. I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, let's get into our first segment: likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. Okay. Um <laughs> had this is not anyone's first time seeing this, is it? No. No, but it Mm-mm. felt like it because I the first last time <laughs> yes. I saw this was 1998. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen <I> <laughs> I've seen the second one and the third one more than I've seen the first one. I've seen the second one the most. Mm, okay. Because I've okay. done like Guillermo del Toro rewatches. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it falls yes, into yes. a weird different category than this first one. Um, right. But yeah. Okay. Well, um I'll go first because mine is is pretty short and then we'll we'll go around the bend. Uh but the river bend? Yes, just I've, around it? Just around it, the river bend. Um <clears throat> I have definitely seen this, but like Brian, I forgot so much about this movie, except like I said at the beginning, the rave scene, because I think it is so iconic. And then maybe, you know, in my watches of Watch Mojo movie moments, it's probably come up on that, you know, as well. Sure. Love Wesley Snipes. First thing I put on here was, hey, Sanaya Lathan, because I absolutely blocked out that she was in this movie. She plays his mom. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't even realize, like, how important she would be at the end because I forgot all that mom stuff. But Me hey, too. Girl, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that the club is underneath or behind like a butcher shop because it makes sense for like the blood and stuff. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. I get it. Um, I love the sidekick uh, Quinn of Deacon Frost because he just gives such corny ass comedic relief but like i dig it and i it still kind of fits within the the vibe of the movie um and i just also love how he's always talking shit behind the people that are about to fight blade mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you doing sir yeah. MV, mvp of this movie might be donald logue as quinn yeah yeah like i, I really like great it. in everything but like yes you're totally right nikisha just like he feels alive, pun intended. He feels alive yes. in every scene, whether he's in the background or has lines or not. Like he is a very clear, well-defined character. And whether that's mm-hmm. from the script or Donald Logue's performance, it's probably a combination of both. Like I think so. He's wildly memorable from this. He's he's more memorable than Stephen Dorff is as Frost, for sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, so I, I just really enjoyed every time he was around. The first half of this movie, I was really digging the CGI for it being 1998. So I'm going to totally. put that there until we get to later parts. Um, <laughs> the burned body jump scare in the hospital got me and I was very upset because I was like, of course <laughs> he's going to come back to life. Why would he not come back to life? Yeah. And it still got me. <laughs> um, I always have a pet peeve when people touch things that aren't theirs and yeah. fucking Karen touching all the blades shit. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? You just experience, this is the, the doctor and you just experienced this crazy vampire that, and you got bit and now you're in this weird place and you're just touching all the things yeah. and you see all these weapons. I'm like, girl, you must know better. Please it's, do better. It's, it's one of those crazy things where like, like, don't touch shit, but also you kind of need to touch shit so that we know there's a foreshadowing that his blade has that, like, 
like that me- mechanism that yes. like but like mm-hmm. but also like you could do it another way but like yeah like stop touching stuff like what are you doing yeah like what it could be it could still have been like a nice surprise you know if mm-hmm. she didn't touch it but sure. i was just kind of like girl come on and this is a black movie too it's like y'all do better please <laughs> <laughs> don't um I like we love rules and so I like how they confirm what can kill a vampire and mm-hmm. how and what's real and true in their worlds because they're like it's not mm-hmm. like the movies the crosses don't do shit like it's the silver and it's the garlic you mm-hmm. know and so uh I I just wrote down it's like the silver kills and the garlic puts them into like a shock uh so I just really enjoyed the rules for for that movie <laughs> Also, Nikisha, I was reading in a deleted scene, there are even more rules um, specifically Mm. about like if they kill all the humans, how are the vampires going to eat? And apparently they go through like, well, we'll keep we'll harvest some vampire. uh, We'll harvest some um, humans in a place where Mm. we can like distribute all of that, like even more, which I think was used in the third one eventually that like concept. But I I mean, just give me all the rules. Just give me all the all rules. rules. And and if you follow them, great. And they, I feel like they all followed them very well. Um, the uh, Brian mentioned this earlier, but the character vampire uh, Pearl, the prosthetics, uh, the one that they, the, the bigger vampire that was doing all the computer work and that mm. they like fry. I really thought that the prosthetics for that was like the makeup for that was fantastic. Sure. Um, I also love how this movie borders like black exploitation, the seventies movement of, of black hmm. movies with mm-hmm. all of the like corny lines, but you know, the character is so cool and, you know, collected, but has kind of like corny lines. Like there was one that blade says when he's talking about uh whistler and he's like, we have an arrangement. He makes the weapons. I use them. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so, it was very, I, I love it. But it was also very like James Bond and Q where like yes, Bond's like, sure. like, like it, it was that kind of relationship where like, he's like, here's some like bullets with uh, garlic in it. Here's some this. Yes. And then he's like, cool. I'll, it was, uh, I enjoy that aspect of a lot of like s- secret agent movies or movies like this for sure. For sure. And I think they did, yeah, a good job of like not going so far to the left with yeah. it. Like mm-hmm. you said, Brian, like it, what the movie was going to be, but then they wanted to make it more serious. And so I think that it blends a, a good amount of like comedic things, but while also trying to be like cool and serious. Totally, and, the, you know, the balance of this movie is kind of a miracle. Like, yes, <laughs> and I, I, I think that's not only writing and direction, but I think that Wesley Snipes is so cool that anything that seems not cool is pulled to the cool side. Because even if you're yes. laughing at it in like a, even if you're laughing at it in like a, this is a silly way, there's still like this like heavy grounded, almost Shakespearean nature to it because mm. Wesley Snipes is like wildly balanced and focused on what he's doing. Like he truly is the thing keeping this movie together from a tone perspective at the very least. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. He's keeping it together very well, uh, which I just, I I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, Also enjoy the rules about blade as far as him being like human and vampire and like what those rules are. I thought that was cool. Um, I also dug the scene with the head council master being like 
exploded when it was like dawn when mm. frost like brought him out i just thought that that whole like cgi scene was pretty cool mm-hmm. um, although i was surprised at how quickly the sun rises <laughs> truly it's like 30 <laughs> seconds and then up oh, full mm-hmm. sun yeah it's like that's never happened to me before when i've been watching the sunrise yeah yes. also there are these amazing <laughs> scenes that have a really interesting point of view like when they're chasing or following the cop it like it's showing you how much time is actually passing in this like but it's like sped up but then when you get to the sunrise sequence it's just like you could have done something like unique but instead the sun just rises very quickly yes <laughs> It's like, okay, we got to hurry up and get this guy dead. We got, we got other <laughs> yeah, stuff to yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I loved, there's a lot of shots that I loved in this. When Blade puts the gun through like the little waterfall and is like shooting people like towards the end, I just thought that was a really um, cool shot. I really thought the moment with the mom was awkward and we can talk about that uh, later. But I know she's explaining that like your mother died a long time ago and I'm not her. Mm-hmm. But that whole scene just like really made me uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, this is... Uh, but I understand like the purpose and where it's at, especially like with like the Oedipus complex and all that stuff like that. Um, I love the glasses catch of blade, like at the end and Mm. then like the nineties music is blaring and he's like about to write, he's about to whoop ass and it's like, yeah, this movie has some ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing needle drops. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Oh, also the soundtrack of this movie, um, uh, actually, um, it peaked at number 36 on the Billboard 200 and 28 on the top R&B hip-hop albums. Um, nice. But, uh, so, like, even the soundtrack to this one did really, really well. And I honestly, I feel like this is a blueprint for a lot of black-led superhero movies when you look yes. at, like, Black Panther doing really well. and And I think that's smart because, like, more than a lot of other cultures, the R and B hip hop movement like is so important to like what like to that to, to everything when it comes to that. So yes. like, why wouldn't you pair it with something like that? Both from a marketing and obviously money making perspective, but just from like a making this a specific type of experience overall. Absolutely. And you know who also does that very well is Jordan Peele in his horror movies yeah. of mm-hmm. bringing in black artists and however he mix and mashes it up. You know, it's just very cool to have something that's familiar, but also within the genre of horror, how he like changes the mood of the song. But it's a familiar black song. Like, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I go back to the CGI now for the very last big fight with blade and deacon frost because i was like this cgi is a lot right now with like the blood coming back into the arms and stuff like that i was just kind of that took me out of it a little bit so that's like a little bit of a gripe when the cgi in the other scenes felt more intermingled i guess even though it was like in in the 90s i just thought that when we got to that end point it was like oh I don't know what happened here, but like, let's go back to what y'all were doing before in the first half of the movie. And my Mm -hmm. last, last thing and last gripe is that I am so sad that Tu Wong Fu did not come out at the same time as Blade because what a character switch that would have been for Wesley Snipes to go from that to Blade, like our girl from Emily Rose and White Chicks, Mm -hmm. but Tu Wong Fu came out in 95 and then yes. Blade came okay. out in 98. I mean, that's still like, I mean, that's not that much time that has passed that much between time, like but I was a character like, flip. 
Yeah. But I was like, oh, that would have been so fantastic to be like, you went from like Blade to Tu Wong Fu or like Tu Wong Fu to Blade, like back to back. I mean, he's still an incredible actor, but that's yeah. just a personal like, but oh, like man. Pre-jail, Wesley Snipes had an incredible like filmography. Like, yes. Jungle. To your j- point, Brian, like I was trying to look up to see, you know, and he has a Wikipedia page, but he has a separate Wikipedia page for all of his roles. Yeah. Like usually yeah. they'll all be listed together, but like there is a separate one that lists all of his stuff because it's so much. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just alone, you have um, Major League, Jungle Fever, White Man Can't Jump, The Great yes. Passenger 57, Demolition Man, To Wong Fu, Money Train, which I love, Waiting to Exhale, <laughs> The Fan is a great baseball movie, um, Murder at Work. 1600, he's in U.S. Marshals, the sequel to The Fugitive, um, which, mm. is, which is actually pretty decent, Blade, obviously, um, Blade 2, Blade Trinity, um, and then you have some other, you know, fine movies. Um, he's in the Expendables three, like, and then post, post like jail time and all of that. It's not, it's not as you know. You have Dolomite. He was coming to America too. Um, yeah. But like, man, what a run of movies, both from a like comedy perspective, from a like intense drama perspective, from an action movie perspective. Like, mm. he was a true like movie star who could do anything, and like. Was pre- I, I have to look at the um, the box office stuff more specifically, but like he could bring in people, and and he wasn't just some like willy nilly like action star, if you will. Like he has the right. acting chops for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Yes, well, that's my likes and gripes. Who would like to go next? Jamie, go for it. Sure. Um, I have no idea how many times I've seen this movie. Uh, but I do know that I've definitely only seen it on TV and did not realize uh, how many f bombs are in this movie. Um, so that delighted me. Um, this I, I I this movie is so fun. I really I really enjoy it. Um, I think that uh, Wesley Snipes is an excellent protagonist. Um, just like the energy that he's serving is so consistent throughout this whole film. And like every line he delivers is, is just tickles me. Um, <laughs> I, the, again, the first thing I said was like the beginning of this movie feels so like late nineties, early two thousands COVID between the music and like what people are wearing and how they are acting and like this rave, um, which then made me go down the rabbit hole of like, are raves like this real? Like, obviously I'm outing myself as having never been to a rave, but, uh, (laughs) I need it for all those ravers out there. Please let me know if you've attended a blood rave or something similar to, um, I, I, I agree about like the CGI, like in the beginning and stuff. Like I'm also like, okay, like I can, I can understand that this is a movie that came out in 1998. Like the quality of the CGI that we're seeing is going to be, what it is and like that's fine um i kind of like how in that first sequence in the rave when he starts fighting all the vampires that like everyone just disintegrates into skulls yeah um, it, it's like wild to to watch um and I'm, I'm just like oh like how did they decide that that's what that's what the their deaths look like mm-hmm. um 
I, th- I thought it was really creative. Like there's so many other things that we see from like how vampires die in, in media. So like, I just thought that was cool to see, um, instead of them, they still kind of like disintegrate, you know, especially with the, the ones who, I mean, with all of them, all of the different kinds of deaths, but like, I, I liked, I don't know. I like that element too. Did I like it at the end when they're flying around? I don't know. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> well, apparently, the, apparently that was a different scene where like uh, the original scene or something, the effect was Frost was kind of like this swirl of like blood and guts and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and it wasn't like this big fight scene. Uh, it hmm. got really poor reviews from like test audiences so they reshot the movie the movie was pushed back like a year a year and a half and like they Mm. rebuilt the whole third act of the movie which is what we see and it got much better like reviews and feedback because realistically they couldn't do that like blood tornado or whatever it is um with the cg at the time that would have looked Mm. terrible yeah like truly bad um uh, yeah, I, I don't, I can't even think about it. Um, I did write down the motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? Um, line. Cause it's so good. Um, again, like the delivery is just so just like true to this character sincere. It was great. Um, shout out to the neck band-aids. That are hematologists. <laughs> <laughs> just, just perfectly placed. So funny. I also was like, they are every single time there's like a close up or like distance from her. I feel like they're in different spots. There's like no consistency with like the distance between where the bites are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he had so, a big mouth. Yeah, like huge. Because first it was like two big band-aids. And then it ended up just being like the small circle band-aids. Mm-hmm. So I was just Loved like, it. what? What is, what is happening? Anyway, that was really funny. Um, I I also laughed. So <clears throat> when she goes back to um, to her apartment and the, uh, the familiar attacks her, the cop, and then Wesley Snipes shows up and she's like, oh, you use me as bait? And he's just, like, making a whole mess of her apartment. I made a comment to Brian, like, he he just, like, showed up in her house and is, like, fully destroying it, which feels totally, like, outlandish. And then she literally says, is all that necessary? And I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to shut up (laughs) because I'm really glad that this movie is, like, thinking along the same lines as me. So like, I felt very validated. (laughs) Well, it's funny because we watched Dread this week. The Judge oh, Dredd yeah. movie with Carl Urban. The remake. And every time Jamie had a question, they explained they it in the movie. It. Every single we love time. Like that. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. Um it was, amazing. it was really funny. It was really funny, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let the movie be a movie. Um, I mean, I, I can't help myself, but I did, I did eventually <laughs> shut up because they really did answer every, any question that was posed, they provided an answer to pretty soon after. So I didn't really have to wait. Um, yeah. so, uh, so yeah, I'm just commenting on things that are happening. Um, I love that. <laughs> the same thing that you had said earlier, the, uh, the sun, the sunrise scene felt very Indiana Jones death. Um, Mm. just like the way, again, like there, it felt some part like, uh, like claymation stop motion-y in the way that the, that they 
let that Bobby die. Um, which made me wonder, like, did they actually intercut any element of like practical effects with the CGI for like the, for the, the bigger deaths, if you will, or like the, Mm -hmm. the, the characters that were like, you know, had more importance. Um, because that, that definitely didn't just feel like the CGI deaths that we had gotten earlier or later in the film. Yeah. Um, but it stood out because I thought mm-hmm. that that one like looked really good. They also, all the vampires seemed so surprised when he like exploded because you see it from far away mm-hmm. at one point, like they pull back and like, they all like I, either the, the explosion, the force of the explosion of the vampire blowing up, pushed them back or they all took a step back. But either way, I was like, did they, what were they expecting to happen? Like they, right. they were exposing him to sunlight. So like, obviously something bad was going to happen, but like, <laughs> so why wouldn't you take a further steps away so that, you know, you don't get blown up anyway. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I just wrote scene with vampire skeletons. Um, I did write skeletons. My phone tried to autocorrect it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I think at that point, Uh, Yeah, it's really hard to know what would have been a better way to, like, do that whole scene. For sure. Uh, Because I can't really think of anything. At first, like, like, I did, again, think it was cool that the the vampire skeletons were, like, coming out of the human skeletons that existed within the vampire's body Mm -hmm. when they were all dying. Mm -hmm. But then them just, like, flying around and, like, flying through Stephen Dorff's character, I kind of was just, like... Eh, like it, it between that and like the blood CGI that was like it looked real coagulated, yes. kind of like worms. Um, it just didn't look good. And again, like I'm not being overly harsh because I know this came out in 1998, but like I don't know. It just I I definitely think that this movie suffers from like a third act problem. It still has some great fight scenes that like are very enjoyable and like consistently shout out Mm -hmm. to like any hallway fight scene. I always get super excited for, I think they're usually choreographed very well. There's an earlier one where he like first comes in. I think it's when he comes in on the motorcycle um, Mm -hmm. and is like fighting everyone. Um, So like those are all good, but like even, even with the fight scene at the end between him and, um, and frost, it's still, I don't know. it, It, it just, it's not great, um, but I can't really think of, like, what I think would fix it necessarily. Yeah. Um, I also totally forgot that, like, I th- I when they keep talking about the blood god, I was like, is it, like, someone that comes from somewhere? Like, is it, like, a totally different person? I feel like their explanation of all of that stuff kind mm-hmm. of fizzled um, when, like, there's this – there feels like there's this big buildup in in the first two acts of, mm-hmm. like, whatever whatever he's working on. It's like, oh, he's, like, trying to uncover something. And it's also, like, why is he the first person who ever thought of this idea? Mm-hmm. Why, is the, why is the head of the vampire collective, like, so quick to write him off? Also, they never really explain why he's there. Like, I agree. He's a yeah. half blood. How is he in the council at all? Yeah, Whoa, they, like, they don't. 
Like they they clearly don't respect him and they don't like him. Yeah. It felt very much like nepotism, but I I had no concept of like who is this person to them? Why are they exactly. allowing him in this space? Why yeah. are they allowing him at like every time they get pissed at him of like you're not supposed to be in here, but he just is. They don't do anything about it. So it's like yeah. exactly. why why is he why is he allowed like <clears throat> all this access in these conversations, they have no oversight into what he's doing. And then like naturally because of that, he like fucks all of their shit up. But also it's, it's shocking to me that he, that he's the first one to ever like what apply technology to help crack this code. Like it's like a room filled with like people behind the scenes who have paid off politicians and governments and police, like all of these things, they have their hands in everything. And they never thought about like, I don't know, using a computer to like (laughs) decode these old documents. And this guy is the first one to do it. And also he sucks. Like that stuff doesn't quite make sense to me. Sure. I just, I wish they explained more of like, how is this, how does this guy get a seat at the table? Yeah. I need to like, how is he allowed to like be involved with them? Especially when he doesn't even buy into their rules and like their, their way of existing. He's so Mm. counter to that. So like that whole narrative just feels really confusing. Yeah, I needed him, the person who turned him to be in that room, who, like, has yeah. a soft spot for him. Or, like like you said, nepotism in some way. Or, like, something like that. But on the flip side, like, a different version of this movie is the older generation of vampires. There's there's more, it's not, it's more phoned in or, like, telegraphed in or, like, on the nose that the older generation, like, is just interested in doing it the same way they've always done. And they mention right. that. But, like, I think it would have been more... More interesting if there was more of a back and forth between like we need to use this new technology in the world to like get us to the next level as opposed to them just being like we'll just keep making deals with senators like i feel like there's like a stronger yeah. narrative there than was actually used in the movie but like this also feels very 90s those those scenes in particular with the vampire council in that room with like this one like <laughs> bad boy vampire sitting at the table felt more without a real explanation of like what's happening felt the most 90s of anything. Yes. I think that's agreed. fair. <laughs> with all that gel in his hair. Oh, so much. Like, uh-huh. Oh my god, his hair. It's Ooh. it's also really funny because like one of the first things I remarked out loud was like, man, Wesley Snipes just looks so good in this role. He's like just uh, the whole thing, his outfit, like his face, his facial expressions, like he just looks excellent. The fade with the Steven, tattoos. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Dorff looks so fucking goofy to me. He's so unattractive <laughs> in this movie. I'm like, why yes. do all these women want to meet him? Like, he's not hot. He just looks greasy no. and like yes. smarmy and like, and like, I, and like, he's re- like, there's nothing wrong with like being super thin, but like, I think just the comparison to Blade just being so like jacked and badass and so skilled in his, in like martial arts and all of this stuff. It's just like Steven Dorff just looks like real meh. He, he looks like a coked up um, yeah. finance bro. Yeah. Less, yes. Mm, I don't even know if finance bro is the right thing because he doesn't a club but he does look coked up. He looks like a, he <laughs> yeah, looks like club, a coked up club, club promoter. promoter, a blood rave promoter. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is what he that is. That is what he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but like he just job? doesn't. 
he doesn't look healthy. I mean, I, again, like I get that he's a vampire, but like compared to all of these other vampires who like look fine, they just made him look not good at all. Mm-mm. So pasty. So pasty. But like really the hair yes. is just like, I'm like, oh, take a shower. Wash your hair. Do vampires shower? Good. I guess. That's a great question. I mean, they're they so stinky. They use soap. It's not like it's not like garlic water. Yeah, they're not using like garlic soap. Yeah. <laughs> they got to get the blood off some kind of way. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Since um, they're having blood raves. <laughs> yes. I also really like the string beheading that he does at the end to um, to Quinn um, when he's like, I got all my limbs back. I'm ready to fight you. And he's like, fuck this. I'm over it. And just like pulls out his fancy string and like chops off his head really fast. Yes. Um, I was like, he should have done that the first time, but whatever. Uh, I like that I, Blade I like it. tortures him, <laughs> like lets him live because he just like enjoys like egging him on and teasing him. I, I enjoyed that aspect mm. of it. Well, I also imagine that it's like, don't fully kill him because he's like, take these messages back to Frost. Yeah, that's kind true. Of that's thing. For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a good point. Yeah. I would say that really my biggest gripe of this movie is that it hates women. <laughs> Big time. Oh, man. It really mm-hmm. hates women. Everyone is called a bitch. Like, mm-hmm. they really just don't give a shit about, like, between his mom, between... <laughs> between the hematologists, just like all collectively, oh everyone, every woman is like truly second string mm-hmm. and and treated like crap. Big time. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's, all I got. it's pretty wild, but also, uh, but also very nineties of them to sure. Yeah, where it's like they don't care about women. <sighs> no, sometimes maybe still contemporary, even even till today. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was also just, it's also one of those kind of like all the things are happening, but these women are running around in the tightest of tightest outfits in heels. <laughs> Their hair is perfect. It's like hematologist. How did you have time to like recurl your hair <laughs> <laughs> in all of this? Cause I literally was looking at it like, Oh, okay. And now she is just like perfectly done up badass she now like knows how to use a gun with one hand and i'm literally like i can't even attempt to like shoot with two hands and she's just like yeah now i've been with blade for for 48 hours since time moves by so fast and now i can do all the things and handle all this equipment yeah what's the line she's like he's like you know how to use a gun she's like no i'll figure it out (laughs) right she's like i learn quickly okay okay okay, (laughs) i guess that makes sense like okay cool 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 these are like heavy machineries but all right girl mm-hmm. okay brian your likes and gripes please yeah we've basically said all my likes about this movie this movie's just super badass it's really fun the, some of the shots are really interesting in this like nikisha had mentioned i just had a blast for the first two thirds of the movie my gripe of this movie is the third act. It's a very 90s, early 2000s, 90s, generic kind of like fight scene that we still have in today's movies. Um, I sure. fell asleep hard during the act three of this movie. <laughs> like, it was just boring. Like, and it's like, it just like. The and I ho- didn't even know that you were asleep. I was so surprised. Normally I always catch it. But like, yeah. the <laughs> hilarious. The, uh, the only, 
Okay, I'll say this about Blade. <laughs> the only interesting thing about Act 3 of this movie, especially when I love the first two acts of this movie, is the stuff between Blade and his mom because it's so outrageous and wild that like sexual tension between his mom coming back and like him, it's totally creepy. Um, However, I read, as I mentioned earlier, I read that when Wesley Snipes uh, production company came on to help produce this movie, he wanted to infuse some of the like um, Shakespearean tragedy elements of like Hamlet or Lear um, into this. And to me, that sequence with like Blade and his mother is very reflective of Gertrude and Hamlet and kind of their Mm. conversations in later acts of Hamlet where like there's this like weird sexual tension between the two. So for that reason, I kind of enjoyed it because it like elevated this like this fine generic act three. And that was probably the most interesting choice and specific choice. Even if you don't like it, I thought it was interesting. I don't necessarily Mm. like the choice. I don't think it makes sense per se, um, because I don't know how sexual this movie was up until that point. If that makes sense. I agree. Cause it wasn't, no, these aren't like true blood vampires where like everybody's doing it. Like really only (laughs) frost was the only one who had any sexual relationship with other vampires, maybe Quinn, like with the women around him. And like, yes, you could see blade kind of like falling for, uh, the hematologist. But like, that was like the first, like true plot point of sexuality in this movie so like Mm. that's why it was weird but i get why they did it um but the rest of act three is just a boring bit of a mess but it's kind of like a 90s fun boring mess if that makes sense the pacing Mm. of it just is so long and then i don't even know if the payoff of the fight scene is like totally worth it those bad special effects are worth it because i love that stuff especially because like <laughs> i like that up like jamie mentioned and, and up and, and, and nikisha mentioned as well up until that point the special effects are wonderful 1998 special effects and yes. then at the end they try and go a little further and it's like oh okay this is this is totally fine um <laughs> but um yeah act three is just like a 90s mess and that and that's kind of what makes it kind of nostalgic enjoyable if that makes sense but that's really my only gripe because even Mm -hmm. throughout that 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 kind of tough third act wesley snipes is still awesome um so that's what keeps it going um and uh yeah and and what i'll say is i think that casting mahersha ali as the next blade i feel like he has the same exact vibe as wesley snipes in this just like this like this low key deliver a line, no nonsense. This is all business type of thing. I'm super excited to kind of see him do that. I feel like only three like black actors have the ability to kind of do that. And it's like Wesley Snipes, Mahershala Ali, and like Lawrence Fishburne. Like, I feel like those are the three who (laughs) kind of have that like grounded, I'm cool, smooth as butter vibe that a lot of other black actors who I love. Smooth as butter. Smooth like (laughs) butter. Gotta go eat that butter. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so those are my likes and gripes of this movie. Um, I guess my last question for you is, is this a horror movie? Is Blade a horror movie? I think so. I mean... I think that 
just because it's a superhero movie does not mean that it's not a horror movie. Like, I think that there's a, there's definitely other superhero movies that have other tones to them where it's not just, you know, action-oriented. Um, right. I also think, again, like, everyone's definition of horror varies, but I think that there's enough horrifying elements to Blade, like, to the story that make for that like allow it to fall into this category. I don't think it's like the scariest movie I've ever seen by any means, but like, I definitely think that there are horrifying elements that I think can qualify it to be a superhero horror crossover. I mean, new mutants was supposed to be a superhero horror crossover. And like, I guess in theory it is, it was, uh, No one said that it also has to be good, but, you know, that's on them. At the end of the day, this is still a vampire movie and vampire movies are horror movies. Like that's that that's the way. Even if it's not scary, this is a action horror movie, like in the vein of like. uh, Don't even say anything else because I'm sure we'll get into it with suggestions. Right. But like very much. I, I think that there's a ton of movies that can both coexist as action and horror Definitely. for sure. For sure. Um, and, and I, I would even say that like the, the way that action has evolved in horror has also like looked very different, but like, you know, maybe this is a hot take, but like maybe the action in like gory movies is still kind of like action. Like they're still like action sequences and high adrenaline, but like it's more focused on like some, like a specific thing or like the gore, like zooming in on like that particular thing. But like, Mm -hmm. I think that that's still like, those are still action sequences in some ways. So like, I definitely think it doesn't have to be like one or the other. I think that there's like a way more blurred boundary between the two, but I definitely think that it is still horror. Yeah, I agree. And like there, right, Fangs, there have been people, and I haven't seen this movie, but will suggest this movie to me because they're like, oh, there are horror movie elements. We think that you would like this. It's the the Doctor Strange mm-hmm. movie with- oh, um, uh-huh. The Sam Raimi directed Multiverse yeah, of yeah, Madness. Yeah, made by Evil Dead. Yeah. Evil Dead director. Of course yeah. there's horror elements oh, in yeah. that. Right. So it's just like, yeah, I, I think, think you would like it with horror elements. Yeah, you, I, you, I need to watch it. You would like it now that we have shown you all the Evil Dead movies. Yeah, I think you'll appreciate. I like it. Okay, okay. The things that it does because it's not totally it doesn't go like full ham on the corny stuff, but I think that like you can definitely tell that it's the same director. Mm-hmm. I dig that. And I, yeah, I think I would definitely appreciate it. Also, I love Wanda, so I want to see her sure. do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. Any other likes and gripes before we move on? No, this is a badass movie. Woohoo. Badass movie. Badass movie. All right, let's move on to our next segment mm, Brains. <sighs> Or should we say blood? Oh yeah, blood. But (laughs) there was like a little zombie-esque thing that they were kind of discussing with Mm -hmm. Karen's doctor friend that got bit at the beginning and then like attacks her at the end. Oh, when she's in the pit. Yeah, when she gets like dumped in that pit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very Evil Dead coded. I I don't know why I keep saying blah, 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 coded. I don't know why that phrase is stuck in my head. So someone (laughs) slap me around or something. Make me stop. No, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Fix uh, my brain. Fix my brain. Your brain is perfect. 
<laughs> as we talk about brains now. Uh, so my first question to you is, oh my God, it was one in the morning. I'm going to see if this is actually even coherent. Uh, <laughs> when I wrote this. <laughs> okay. I am just, this is so general, but speaking on like people who might not have grown up with their biological parents, right? Okay. Hmm. So if someone had the opportunity to meet their biological parent as an adult, what counsel would you might give them to help deal with maybe inherent trauma that they might have of that absent parent? Good question. Uh, Good question. Good question. Good question. We really pulled that one out of blade. Out of my ass. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one, though. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, like, managing expectations is key because I think, like, mm. despite it being a bio, – despite there being a biological connection to someone, I think, like, not having that that relationship – like, a relationship is more than just blood. And so, like, without yeah. having – Blood. Um, <laughs> without like having, you know, any other connecting points throughout their life. I think like holding both the fact that this is someone that's like related to you, but also that like, in some ways they might be a stranger to you. You might have like no idea who they really are, the type of person they are, what they like, what their values are. And mm-hmm. so like, it is kind of like meeting a a totally new person that you've never met before, but also you have this other connection to them in a different way. So I think it's like holding both of those truths at the same time, which I think is really hard. Like, again, I think we don't like to think in complexities as like humans, like it just makes things more complicated and, and, and difficult. And so it's like allowing both like the confusion and like the, the, like all of these like mixed emotions that could be at play with the Mm -hmm. idea of there being a connection without knowing this person. Um, so I think like, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with people like seeking out connections with like biological family that they've never connected with before. I think Mm -hmm. it's more just about like managing expectations and like being, and like taking care of yourself. Like, you, you really don't owe anybody anything, especially if it's someone that like hasn't been in your life. So you get to decide what kind of relationship, if, if any relationship is something that's interesting to you. Um, mm-hmm. and like that, that I think is really important that like, just because you find out that this person like exists and like where they are, doesn't necessarily mean that you like owe them your time or owe them a relationship now, now that you've like connected with them. Yeah. I love that. I love that you don't owe anybody anything. I mean, for anything, truly. For for truly anything. But no, yeah. amazing. That's a great answer. Uh, second question is, <clears throat> what could a person tell themselves or what would you advise a person to do if they're in a situation where they can no longer help a loved one and have to kind of lead them to their own demise. And that's just a reflection of when Blade had to like leave Whistler and be like, here's the gun and I'm going to walk away from you. Like I can't help you anymore. But in a more general sense of like, maybe you have a family member that's like going down a path and you're general gist and you can't, (laughs) you know, help them anymore. Like, 
how can you come to terms with that? How can you be okay with like, or what can you tell yourself to be like, I have to let this go because it's not my responsibility. Yeah. I think that like, it's, it's really hard to walk away from people that we care about. Um, Mm -hmm. because like we, we don't want to see people in pain, but I think it's also a reminder of like what we have control over versus what we don't have control over. And Mm. even if we provide all of the resources and like support available to others, um, it's still on that other person to like take advantage of those things and like use those resources and tools. Um, and it's not like, it's not that you didn't do a good enough job to help them. It's really just like they, it's on them. They have to be motivated like intrinsically to want to change or like, you know, take advantage of that resource or whatever it is. Um, and it's not a reflection on you. And so like reminding yourself of like what you have power and control over and you can't control other people. You only have control over yourself. And like with that, you gave them all of the resources that you can, you can't make them now Mm. use those resources. Yeah. I love that. It's what's in your control and what's out of your control. So yes. That's great. And then last question, same scene, but a different look at it. Do you think Blade like holding back that emotion when he has to give uh, Whistler the, the gun and, and walk away? Do you think uh, that, wow, what did I say? And sorry, there's like a siren going on if you can hear that. <laughs> it's, Blade. Google. it's Blade. It's Blade. Ah! Mm. Uh, it could be the vampire factions. Oh no! The familiars are out. Okay, I like that now. the familiar was a cop. I really yes. thought that was a yeah. a clever touch. Mm-hmm. That was a good element. No. Yeah, I like that. Nobody is safe. He said, "Keep your eyes open." Uh, so, do you think Blade holding back that much emotion in the scene with Whistler killing himself might be like a result of of losing his mother? Because like he doesn't even shed a tear in mm-hmm. in that scene, and like Whistler was like a father <clears throat> to him. So how do you, what do you feel about that scene and and how Blade portrayed that? Like, is that, do you think that's even a believable reaction? I think so. I think that like, it's, I think that they, they present Blade's character enough where he doesn't really let people in. And like, even the comment about like him bringing um, Karen in as like, a mistake like that there is some element of him that has connections to people, but it's like, it's not a lot. It's like slivers for sure. Um, and, and like, I, I can also see like that most of him feels like he needs to, he's so focused on the mission. Like even at the end when she's like, I can come up with a cure, but again, like this is what this means for you. And he declines basically being like, I need to continue on this mission that I've like set myself out for. Um, mm-hmm. I think it just speaks to like, he's so devoted to this like particular cause that even that supersedes his relationships with people. Like he can't, he can't become attached to people because it might get in the way of like this mission that he has. It's, it's like so important to him that I feel like that, that ends up kind of <clears throat> influencing his relationships to others. And like, I also don't really remember two and three that well of like, yeah, obviously there's like other characters and like people that he's, that he joins up with to like fight the bad vampires or whatever. But Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't remember how, how he allows them into his life. 
unless it's like always in favor of this mission. And so like, that's, that's like the, the exception is like, well, if they're going to help me, you know, do X, Y, Z with the exception of Karen, like that's like the one person Mm -hmm. where it's like, why does he save her? He doesn't know that she's like a hematologist. He doesn't know that she can potentially like come up with a cure or like come up with a cure for him, not just for regular humans who are bit, but like, which I'm also like, keep her around. Like, we right. want to have somebody who's like mass producing a cure to cure humans who are bit by vampires who are turned the half floods, if you will. Like, yes. why wouldn't you want to create that resource? Um, whatever. But like, I, I, I do like, there's something there where it's like, what does he see in her? Maybe it is the connection back to his mother you know, again, this movie doesn't really like women. So I don't know if I'm giving it too much credit around that, but, um, Mm. but I, I think in general, like the Whistler relationship is, is they aligned so much on like this mutual, like they're both mutually helping each other out for the greater good. Um, that, that like gets in the way of having this like vulnerable moment. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I get that. At least I think I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. But like you said, they set him up to be like this particular way about uh, his relationships with people. So that mm-hmm. makes sense that he's not, you know, giving of emotion, <laughs> a lot yeah. of emotion in, in this movie and in that particular scene. Fantastic. That's all that I have uh, for brains. Thanks, Jamie. Should we rotten to mountain this? Yeah, let's rotten to molten. It's the rotten tomatoes game. All right. What do you think this has on rotten tomatoes? Uh, Jamie. I'm gonna say. Oh, oh Nikisha. You, Nikisha. You, you go. You go. <laughs> Uh, 84. Jamie, <laughs> what do you think this has? I, uh, I don't know. That feels high. I'm going to say like 61. This has a 58 on Rotten Tomatoes. But the, audi- the audience score is 78. Okay. Um, the critics' consensus reads: Though some may find the plot a bit lacking, Blade's action is fierce, plentiful, and appropriately stylistic for a comic book adaptation. I dig it. Yeah, I think that's all right. Fine. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, what do you think this has? One through five on, uh, or zero through five on Letterboxd. Jamie. 3.6. All right. Nikisha? Mm. So let's say 2.7. <laughs> it has a 3.4. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> the number one light comment is some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill is greater than I am Iron Man. <laughs> Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Another good one is Wesley Snipes understands how to move and pose in a comic book movie better than any actor in history. <laughs> mm. Yeah, True. he's killing it. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Um, should we do the four S's? Yes. Yes. 
All right, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We are going to run through those right now. Skulls is how well it handles human health and mental behavior. No strike that reverse it. Um, how well it uh, <laughs> handles mental health and human behavior, one through ten. Uh, human how, health, mental behavior. How scary was this, one through ten? And then how much shaking it off, how much are you going to remember this, one through ten? Uh, Nikisha, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, skulls. I'm gonna give this a four. Uh, yeah, people are like peopling, but it's also vampires in '90s, and yeah, that's the vibe. But to Jamie's point, they also hate women, so four. Um, <laughs> scares. I'm gonna give it a one because it's not scary, but I only give it a one for that effing jump scare with the hospital that got me. <laughs> um, and. As, as, as much as I do like this movie, like I forgot everything that happened in it. So I'm going to sure. give it a four for shakes. And it's because I'm just only going to keep remembering. Well, now two things, the opening scene, the rape, mm-hmm. but also the weird mother scene. Right. I don't think I'll get that out of my mind. <laughs> sure. Jamie. Yeah. For skulls, I gave this, I was going to give it the four, but I gave it the five because I feel like I feel like Wesley Snipes as Blade is just so committed as a character True. that like that almost bumps it up by a point. <laughs> I will I will follow him wherever he takes me. Um, just like yeah, uh, fair. For scares, I gave it the two. Um, I think because of like the level of violence that's in this movie kind of bumps it up a little bit. It's just like, there's a lot. It, it suffers from the fact that almost all of the blood is CGI blood. Um, but I think that, you know, they're doing, they're doing what they, whatever they can with what they have at that time. But I think mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's a really gory. I'm so glad this movie, this movie's rated R. It has to be, cause there's a million F bombs. Um, yeah, but it, it just, I feel like they're able to then do a lot more of these like wild, gory death scenes as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, am I right? Was it rated R? Yeah, it's rated R. Whew. <laughs> um, Good job. For shakes. So while I didn't remember like a ton of what happened in this movie, I ended up giving it a six because I do feel like Blade is this iconic movie between like his character, what it did for like Marvel Studios, but also sure. the vampire world, the vamp or not vampire world. I don't know vampire world. Like vampire, <laughs> no, no, the vampire, vampire, world. <laughs> vampire action movies, vampire action horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel like it kind of opened up a lot of things, and I, I didn't actually look at a lot of the. Um, what's it called release dates for my suggestions. But like, I just feel like this was really iconic for the time. And I think it's still, I mean, I know it's gained a cult following, but I do feel like regardless of the fact that the third, that the, the trilogy, the third one is really bad. Like people still really like this one and the sequel. Mm. And I just feel like that has, has done a lot for like, this particular subgenre oh, of like yeah. vampire horror. I mean, before um, this, vampire movies were like Anne Rice and like Dracula yeah. movies. Like mm-hmm. this just changed the game like completely on like what vampires are, how can they be portrayed in horror movies, stuff like that. Um, but we'll get to that in suggestions um, in general. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
I did five for skulls for the same reasons. Scares, I gave this a zero. Um, and then shakes, I gave this a six um, because it's Blade. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jamie, you've been mentioning suggestions the whole episode. Um, what are your suggestions? Um, okay, so I have a couple. I just looked up all the dates of the things because I thought that that was important. Um, so for one of them came out before this movie came out, but I, I think it's, I think it's taken on a cult film status, but I don't even know. I think it's a great movie. It's from dusk till dawn. I Mm. feel like it, it still has a, a different reception than blade does. I feel like blade has a much wider reception than from dusk till dawn. And that's why I feel like it's a little bit more iconic, but I love this movie. It's Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, um, teaming up again. Uh, it's, it, it's like a while it's, it's wild. Um, it's mm-hmm. also like, again, like action horror, maybe some vampies, um, it's, it's a really fun time. So I really enjoy this one. Um, and if you like blade, I think you would really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. but then in terms of like what feels more like the influence that blade then had on the action kind of superhero horror subgenre, if you will, um, underworld came yes. out in 2003. Yeah. Um, also sparked a trilogy. I can't speak to the other two. I I'm pretty sure they're really, really bad. I don't even remember them, but the first one I remember being pretty good. Um, and I think again, like more vampires, I think they also in- introduced the werewolf element. So like we're getting a lot of these like creature features in these action horror film mm-hmm. subgenres. Um, So that's another one. And then kind of based on something that Brian had mentioned, uh, that the sequel of Blade is made by Guillermo del Toro, I have to also include the first Hellboy movie. Mm. I mean, both of them. Um, But the ones made uh, by Guillermo del Toro, um, that came, the first one came out in 2004 um, with uh, Ron Perlman and Selma Blair and all of them. Uh, Also great. Uh, A superhero film, questionable on the horror but i feel like again it's like it has enough elements that i think it it definitely falls into that category regardless of the name being hellboy but like i do feel like it's kind of all in the same realm of like very similar themes being hit so i felt like it felt important to also include that one sure absolutely nikisha yeah, I just have one, and we've covered it on the podcast, mostly because I like the action sequences, even though it is a horror movie, uh, Renfield. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I feel like vampire movies, if you're if you were talking about, like, not Victorian vampire movies, I feel like Lost Boys oh. is, a ten- is like a – it's like a checkpoint for certain types of vampires. I feel yeah. like Jamie said uh, from dusk till dawn is another like version of vampires. And then you get like the blade underworlds moving forward. And, and like, I feel like those are three types of like vampires that like we've experienced. Like sometimes there are crossovers with those types of things. Um, but like, I feel like those are like important movies that like changed what the market thinks that people like as vampire movies. Um, and then from those specific ones, you're trying to copy them and all of that. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, one of my favorite movies that feels inspired by this one a little bit. Uh, the wonderful and great Van Helsing. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I haven't thought about that in so long. uh, I Mm. love Van Helsing and and the CGI, all the the third act. That's like what you expect it to be. Like all Mm -hmm. of that stuff is just like. Also 2004. I think that's definitely in that like comes off of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, just from a Black History Month uh, perspective, um, I also think that you should watch um, Candyman. Just in terms of like we did um, – Night of the Living Dead. I feel like Candyman's another important one. This one's an important one. And then you get to like the 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 the, the Jordan Peele ones and, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Cool beans. Fantastic. Well, Ooh. I think that wraps up our episode of Blade. You can follow us on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at TalkHorrorPod. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts, uh, including on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Uh, hey. We have a podcast tab where you can watch and listen to all of our episodes. Um, and then, of course, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Brian, what's the quote? Give it to us. Oh, the quote is the best quote many. from this movie. No, the best yeah. one is, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yes. <laughs> it's great. And then he explodes, and oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> There's so many funny ones in this. Some motherfuckers yeah. this really are always trying out. to skate uphill. All the trying to skate line. uphill. My next yeah. tattoo, my first tattoo will be that. <laughs> <laughs> on a blade. Yeah, like totally. An actual blade yeah, exactly. and then put the quote on the blade. <laughs> or like or like um it's his sunglasses, but like the outside rim is that quote. Oh yes. <laughs> Make it so. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right, thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.